Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. Well, we are in between books here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret. I always take this time to share certain things um, that uh, I think are pertinent to our culture uh, according to the word of God. Years ago, when I moved to Kenya in 2010, I had actually come in 2009 on a mission trip to really uh, do radio ministry and travel around to different churches just visiting, and that was radio ministry at Fish FM, 2009. Um, November, uh, late September, or late October, and then all of November, and the first week of December in 2009, I spent here in, um, in Kenya. And even then, I noticed that what we refer to as the Word of Faith movement, the prosperity gospel is another name used for this movement, though they're not completely 100% linked um, and what that means is word of faith is an absolute cult. And then there are some prosperity gospel churches that don't adhere to every doctrine of the word of faith movement, though it is a different gospel than what is the true living gospel. We're going to talk about that the entire service, this service. I've been wanting to do this for years, and the only time I've really done it, though I made mention um, of it many times, we really have never spent a Sunday morning discussing this, um, and we need to today. It's, it's really on my heart, and also uh, we did have a conference about this. We called it the a Critique on the Word of Faith Movement. Um, we had one of my friends come out who was a part of the movement. You guys know him. He'll also be here for the uh, Love the Bible and Change Africa conference, Pastor Scott Parker. Um, and he, he was a part of that, and he came out of it, and then he has studied it as well. But when I moved here in 2010, it was so unexpected to me how pervasive it was in this society, in this culture. Yes, Kenya, but also um, Africa itself, um, all of East Africa, Nigeria, um, Ghana. And what was shocking to me, because though it is in the United States, and unfortunately, I apologize, it um, really was formulated and became popularized through ministries in the United States and came to Africa, the Word of Faith movement when it came to Africa meshed powerfully with the, not only the, the culture of Africa, and I'm gonna speak of Kenya, 
but the culture of Kenya, but also it was very similar to many African cults that had been around in Kenya for hundreds of years. So not only did it come very powerfully to the culture and to African cults, very similar, that's why it messed so powerfully, but also the very fundamental beliefs of the Word of Faith movement um, were so appealing to Africans because of what one of the particular doctrines, which there are dozens of doctrines, in the Word of Faith movement, one of the particular doctrines that became so powerful, so amazing to the Kenyan people was the prosperity gospel, which is a part of, in many ways, the Word of Faith movement. And that is the gospel um, of health and wealth. So when this message came over, which the Word of Faith movement has some very sinister doctrines that run so much deeper than just simple health and wealth. We're going to talk about them some today. It was so appealing to Kenyans because Kenya, and don't be offended by facts, please. Um, I, I have two more services. One, there was one particular time I had indicated that Kenya is a third world nation that is filled with poverty and somebody from the congregation gasped. <gasps> and somebody from the audience looked over and said, it's true. Um, listen, the facts are the majority of Kenyans are in, in extreme poverty. Extreme poverty. Yes, there are a lot of Kenyans who have money and I recognize that. Because of this extreme poverty, when this message came, about 50 years ago in its formulization, though it has been around really since the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, but in its formulation, when it came over, can you grab this? And we're talking, nothing could have prepared me for how many churches are a part of this metaphysical cult. I not only can confidently say that it is the majority of Protestant so-called churches in Kenya, it is definitely the majority of Protestant so-called churches in Eldoret. I don't know the percentage. If you wanted to ask me my opinion, though no study has been done, I would say at least, bare minimum, 80% of all the Protestant churches in Eldoret and probably more accurately would be around 90%. This movement has touched every part of Kenyan life. And what I mean by that, it, it, it would be like saying every family has been affected by cancer because every family probably in the world has a family member who has or had cancer, whether it be a mom or dad, a close family member, brother or sister, or an extended family member, a cousin or an uncle or second cousin. Every single person in the world really has known somebody in their family who's had cancer. And even if they don't, they've known a friend 
For Kenyans, every single person in their family has been affected by this for a few reasons. And please, follow me on this whole teaching today. One is because of how it powerfully linked up with your culture, your ancient African cults, and as I mentioned as well, the desire to accept this message because of the extreme poverty in Kenya. And because of that, millions of Kenyans have taken this and it has become so part of family life that even people who don't necessarily go to a word of faith church that is incredibly flamboyant and overt, they still can use the same terminology as people would use who believe inerrant heretical doctrine, such as, I don't receive that, would be some of the terminology, and you'll know more about it. Why would I bring this up? Well, I mentioned, because this has affected all of Kenyan life. I don't do this out of spite or hatred, I do this out of love for the Kenyan people. I do it to accurately present in a culturally sensitive manner the specific biblical view on this subject to demonstrate that this viewpoint, this religious cult is different than biblical truth to equip our church to respond biblically to these claims because every family has been affected by such things. And also the scripture teaches us a lot about how we are to prepare our minds and our hearts and our families and our church. Bible says in Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. There are so many people that actually believe. It's not that they think they're following a lie, they believe this is right, but the Bible says that many who believe something is right, a way that seems right to man, the end is actually death. God warns us in the scriptures not to be gullible and believe everything we hear that comes from a so-called church or a so-called pastor or prophet. You guys may have heard about this new so-called prophet or faith healer that's come out of Mombasa. I forget his name. Preston was telling me about him. He had a meeting in sports club. Have you heard about this? Thousands of people showed up recently. People traveled from all of Western Kenya to come to sports club. Preston went to the meeting. I'm glad he did. I actually would have gone if I was here. I like going to certain events like this so that I can be better equipped. Now, don't go to these meetings if you don't know the word of God. And Preston said this meeting was no different than how they really establish and arrange their programs in the same way that Catherine Kuhlman did, in the same way that Benny Hinn um, does, in the same way that Prophet Awar, that nobody's really allowed to go up front unless you uh, have some sort of ambiguous illness 
because they're certainly not going to let people that have an overt, objective, outer illness, such as you have a deformity, you can't walk and it's legitimate, you can't walk, they're not lying about it, they're all kept away. And this guy just goes up, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, and he leaves. There's no proof of any healing there. It's a sham. Yet, continually, millions of Kenyans are deceived by this every year and have been. In fact, when the church was established in Kenya after independence, though there was some good missionary movements even 100 years ago, this doctrine has been the greatest foothold of Satan in Kenya. Nothing could have prepared me of how many churches believe this. How many churches believe this? 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, test all things. Hold fast to what is good. The Bible warns of coming deception in 1 Timothy 4.1, and we're gonna be everywhere throughout the scripture, ending in 1 Timothy 6 this morning. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, people will depart from faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. The Bible warns of coming dangerous times, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of God himself. Second Thessalonians 2, 3, let no one deceive you by any means. For the day will not come unless a falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. The Bible talks about, um, in Hebrews 5, 14, but solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. It says, Titus 1, we need to hold fast the faithful word. Cling to. How can you do that if we don't study the faithful word and understand those who oppose it while posing to be Christians themselves. Paul even pointed out specific individuals for rebuke. Now, I want to read to you, and you don't necessarily have to flip around unless you want to. It's a good, good practice. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, Verse six, he says, I marvel that you are turning away as soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you. He's, he's saying, you've gone to a different gospel and there's not another gospel. <laughs> I like the way he talks here. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ, but even if we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. 
As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed, for I do now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men, for if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In other words, Pastor Paul, uh, Apostle Paul, is saying, I have an obligation to speak on the very matter in which you are turning away from the real gospel to a perverted gospel because I have an obligation to Christ that is higher than my obligation to you and higher than my um, desire, even as a carnal desire, to please you. I want to please Christ first. This is not a popular thing to talk on controversial matters, in other words, what Paul is saying, but I'm going to do it anyways because my obligation is to Christ. Which inadvertently, if a pastor's obligation is to Christ and his word, which is the foundation of the church, comes first, the church will be better for it. If a pastor's obligation is to his congregation first, the church will be worse for it. There's something to notice here in Galatians chapter one and what Paul says. Number one, they are turning away from the real gospel to a perverted gospel in the very church or in this region of churches, which the best we can uh, recall from church history is about 10 different churches in this region, all of them of which the apostle Paul planted either directly, most of them completely directly or indirectly through him sending people to these different churches that he had discipled. So these are church plants that Paul was involved with directly or indirectly as and the complete authority of these church. So this isn't Paul going down to Winner's Chapel in Nigeria and saying, you guys stop your your teaching. This is the very churches that he planted himself. I say that to say this kind of stuff creeps into the best of churches. And it has creeped into even sincere people in Kenya who want to love God and who have been presented a perverted gospel. I want to help you understand some of the origins and just a couple of the beliefs of the word of faith movement, and only part of that is the prosperity gospel. Let me explain to you what word of faith movement means in in the, the term word of faith. The word of faith, and you'll be more understanding of it at the end of uh, this message, The word of faith movement is a belief that faith itself is the eternal substance of the world and not God himself. That faith is responsible for creating the eternal God and if you're really thinking right now, you're already thinking of some contradictions and that's good because if God 
was created, then what he was eternal. What word of faith teachers mean by faith creates the eternal God is he becomes eternal after his creation. God is not eternal, but this force in Christian terms or so-called Christian terms of the word of faith movement, the eternal force of the universe is faith itself. And that is a very pantheistic belief, a very Hinduistic and Buddhistic belief, Sikhism, is that there is a force in the world called faith in the Christian circles of Word of Faith movement. And this force is responsible for creation. This force is responsible for sustaining. To help you understand that, one gentleman who is quite intelligent and a very gifted preacher, though a deceiver, his name is T.D. Jakes. I've never heard somebody quote, and I know through this process, some of you are going to be like, ah, you know, it's, just bear with me. Please keep an open heart. I've never heard somebody say something as clear in describing in one sentence the fundamental tenet itself of word of faith as T.D. Jakes did in this quote. Quote, God procreates and regenerates himself with faith-filled words. End quote, T.D. Jakes. It's quite brilliant in describing this movement in one sentence. You know, so the most brilliant people in the world are those who can make clear in a few words what somebody believes in a profound faith. And so when he said that, it sounds intelligent, it's utterly blasphemous and heretical. The idea is God procreated himself, and that is you and I. We are gods after the image of God and we are the very substance of God in many ways. He procreated himself with faith-filled words. So he took this force that was in the universe that is the real eternal force, he harnessed it, he believes in its power and he created human beings and creation itself. And not only did he procreate himself and create all things through this force, he also regenerates himself with this force. So since the creation of God by this force called faith, he also has to use this force to make sure he is not decaying into death himself. So if you and I could be like Yahweh, be like Christ, we also could live to be hundreds and hundreds of years old if we could use this force. We would stop from decaying. We would be healthy all the time. The great-grandfather of this movement is a gentleman by the name of Phineas Quimby. 
Born in 1805, died in 1864. He didn't live to be as old as he might have believed he could be. I guess he struggled with faith. He was a real formulator of what is the metaphysical cult as we know of the Word of Faith movement today. Metaphysical simply means beyond the physical, like getting this faith and using this force that is beyond physical to affect your physical body, metaphysical. Cult is any sect or group of church, whether it be a Protestant church or not, any group of people that poses to be Christian while denying the fundamental tenets of Christianity. That's what metaphysical cult means. He was the popularizer and the famous formulator of mind science, which is very similar to New Age thinking, to Buddhistic, pantheistic thinking, harnessing chi, stuff like this, but he, posing as a Christian, was into mind science or mind Christian science. He was a student of hypnosis and parapsychology, which simply means in his meetings, he could conjure up through his language, through his body motions, down to the very lighting, down to the very type of music and the chanting, they would do stuff like this that is indicative to American Indian culture and African culture to create a mental hypnotic state that would open up the mind not to clear thinking but to anything to enter into their mind in those particular meetings. He was the pro at it. This is very African in its culture before this came to Africa, you can see how it can mesh well with Africa. Now, this, I don't wanna just use a lot of this hypnosis, this parapsychology, the father of new thought. What he was fundamentally trying to get people to understand is what you think and what you speak will come back to you. You will attract the things that you think and that you speak and they will come back to you. Mary Baker Eddy listened to the very writings and sermons themselves because she lived around the same time of Phineas Quimby and she started the Christian cult called the Christ Science Church in New England, America. Now, if none of that really jives with your mind, let me bring it down to everyday kind of speech. Maybe some of you had a friend or family member or you yourself have been sick. You've had a cough, a runny nose, this or that, and either you yourself or maybe a family member says, don't receive it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh no, don't receive that. Don't speak that into existence. You're not sick. 
And then through that mental exercise, through that faith that you can be healed supernaturally, metaphysically, if you think that you're not sick, if you speak that you're not sick, you won't be sick. Don't receive that. To the point where the extreme view of this is don't even go to the hospital because it's encouraging faithlessness in the power of God to heal. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of something like this. Most of you, and thank you. Late hand rangers, you guys heard of it too. This has affected every part of Kenya. There's a family, oh no, don't speak it into existence. You've heard that. Don't speak it into existence. This comes through the metaphysical cult that Phineas Quimby popularized. Now, the grandfather of the Word of Faith movement is a gentleman by the name of Essex Kenyon. Anybody heard of Essex Kenyon? When I moved to Eldoret years ago, I walked into the Christian bookstore. Inside the Christian bookstore was at least 15 of Essex Kenyon books, at least 15 different ones of his writings. And I thought to myself, I didn't know. This is, this is all because I was bombarded by this kind of stuff that I've exercised this kind of diligent search. I thought, who is this Essex Kenyon guy? Well, Essex Kenyon is the grandfather of the Word of Faith movement. He believes God created us by speaking faith-filled words, the same thing as T.D. Jakes, and we are the same, and we are to do the same as God. We can create our environment. He believes humans forfeited earth to Satan and their divine dominion from the fall, and when we get born again, we reclaim our deity as gods on earth. Essex Kenyon started teaching that Jesus did not atone for sins on the cross, but he atoned for sins in hell after he died on the cross. He also has ties to the metaphysical cults and new age thought, same as Phineas Quimby. He just started developing some more doctrines that were fundamentally and logically in line with this kind of faith belief. Now, the father of the modern Word of Faith movement, Kenneth Hagin, born in 1917, died in 2003. He said that nobody should ever die in this movement or who harnesses this power of faith before they're 120 years old. He died at 84. I don't know what happened. He claimed that Jesus appeared to him eight different times physically. In his writings and preachings on describing the visitations of Jesus Christ, he plagiarized Essex Kenyon's visitations of Christ word for word, and I think he did, hoped that no one would notice because Essex Kenyon lived 100 years or 75 years before him. I wanna to talk to you about three of their doctrines. Number one, the doctrine known as positive confession. Creflo Dollar tweeted, and quote, a spiritual being who possesses the nature of God as spiritual beings 
who possess the nature of God, what he's saying is we have the nature of God already. It is not a foreign person who enters in upon salvation. You have the nature of God from birth. But he says as spirit beings who possess the nature of God, we have the ability to speak things into existence just like God did in Genesis chapter one, end quote from Creflo Dollar. You can start seeing the doctrine formulating of word of faith. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. The word of faith defined in its very words, what they mean by word of faith, what they mean by faith itself. Listen to what Joe Osteen said. This will blow you away. He said, why did God silence Zechariah, quote, why did God take away his speech? It's because God knew that Zechariah's negative words would cancel out his plan. See, God knows the power of our words. He knows that we prophesy our future. Zechariah's negative words would have stopped God's plan, end quote. So God's in heaven. Zechariah's in the temple. The angel comes to Zechariah. He says, you're gonna have a, a son. He says, how's this possible? It can't happen. My wife is old. <laughs> I'm glad his wife wasn't in the room, you know. You know, her, her womb is dry, <laughs> crusty. Um, my wife is old. God's in heaven saying, oh, what am I going to do? His negative words are gonna stop the pregnancy. I have to silence him so that the pregnancy is not stopped, so that John the Baptist can be born. That is what Joel Osteen is claiming. It's incredible. I'd like to show you a video to try to help you understand how much this positive confession is fundamental to the people in this movement. Would you play exhibit one? You know, you're, the, you're supposed to control the weather. I mean, Ken's the primary weatherman at our house, but when he's not there, I do it. You can see what's happening out there. It shows just like they have on at the weather, like on the news. I mean, he's got the computers, got the current weather on it and all that for flying. So uh, sometimes I'll hear something. I'll hear the thunder start. Maybe he'll still be asleep. And I say, Ken, you need to do something about this. <laughs> and knowing that, but you are the one that has authority over the weather. One day, Ken and Pat Boone, we were in Hawaii at their house, and we were, they were sitting outside, and there was a weather spout out over the ocean. And that's like a tornado, except it hits the water. And so they were sitting there, and they just watched it, rebuked it, it never did anything. One day, I was in the airplane in the back, and my little brother was in the back with me, and Ken was up front flying, and we were not in the weather, because we don't fly bad weather. But we, we could see the weather over here. And I looked out the window and that tornado came down just like this, down toward the ground. And Ken said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You get back up there. So this is how I learned how to talk to tornadoes. I saw this. And that tornado went, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Even while I was watching and my little brother was not a devout Christian at that time and that was really good for him to see. <laughs> so you're the weatherman. You get out there or the weather woman, whichever it is, and you talk to that thing and you tell it, you're not coming here, I command you to dissipate. 
And you get back up there in Jesus' name. Glory to God. That, that, I won't charge you extra. Did you notice that's Gloria Copeland, Kenneth Copeland's wife. Kenneth Copeland, I've heard preachers in Eldorette quote Kenneth Copeland's sermons almost verbatim. The only reason I know that is because of how much I've studied Kenneth Copeland's ministries. Did you notice what she said in contradiction to herself about the weather? Did anybody catch what she said? We control the weather, but they don't fly in bad weather? You see how that's a problem? If they control the weather, why don't they just control the bad weather and fly right through it with good weather? They believe in this sort of positive confession so, so much that if we have the faith, we can control the very weather patterns themselves, though they don't fly through bad weather. Do you know how many people die every year from weather-related disasters, including droughts and dying from lack of water? Do you know how? Millions. I'll tell you, if these people can control the weather, they should be charged, as one person said, of negligent homicide because they could go save everybody in the world as they flew around their $60 million jet. Why don't they come to Africa and talk up these drought-stricken countries up some rain? This doctrine of positive confession runs so deep. Secondly, there's a doctrine called the little God's doctrine. It's a belief that when God procreated through his faithful words, that we became gods themselves. That we are actually gods. We have become like God. We are gods. I want to show you exhibit B to try to help you understand this doctrine. Now, in verse 26 and verse 27, God now submits himself to this principle of everything producing after its own kind. And in verse 26 and 27, let's read it out loud. Ready? Read. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him male and female created he them now that's interesting because if everything produces after its own kind we now see God producing man and if God now produces man and everything produces after its own kind If horses get together, they produce what? And if dogs get together, they produce what? If cats get together, they produce what? Yeah. 
But if the Godhead gets together and say, let us make man, then what are they producing? They're producing gods. Now, I got to hit this thing real hard in the very beginning because I ain't got time to go through all this. But I'm going to say to you right now, you are gods, little g. You are gods because you came from God and you are gods. You're not just human. The only human part about you is this physical body that you live in. The real me is just like God. To compare the triune Godhead with dogs and cats and horses is blasphemy. This, this sort of preaching, I mean, he's one of the worst. I mean, you look at, you hear something like that, I would, I would be scared to be in the same church thinking that the only true God and to him is the only one to be served was going to collapse the building on those people. You just saw thousands of people scream out in unison that they're gods. The Bible says there is one God, one God, and to him only shall we worship. Now, I would go on on the third one I had prepared talking about what they believe concerning Christ. Now, when we return back to the real word of God in Galatians and you see that they have perverted the original gospel that they've heard, the question we must ask ourselves, people, is if people are going to be cursed, and that's non-believers, by the way, because a believer cannot be cursed. The Bible says in Galatians chapter two that believers cannot be cursed because God took the curse for believers. Now, non-believers are already cursed, all of them. But it says here that there is a unique special curse for those who preach and receive a perverted gospel. If there is such a powerful statement as that, those will be cursed who believe such a gospel, don't you think it's prudent, as we read from scripture earlier, to examine what is the real gospel and what is a perverted gospel? It would be incumbent upon us to learn such things. You know what's interesting about the video we just saw is that he's quoting from Genesis chapter one and then in the next chapter, the very temptation of Satan and the very atom bomb that blew up all of humanity in the Garden of Eden was the temptation that if Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they will be like what? God. We will be like, you, you won't die. But God knows in the day that you eat, you will be like him. And the very video we see in chapter one is him saying, this, this heretic, that we are like him. Very interesting. Guys, this is, this is scratching the surface of this. But I'm out of time already, but I want you to know, and I'm gonna do another seven minutes, but I want you to know, this is the most pervasive, formulated cult in Kenya. 
this right here. And many of you have been affected by it yourselves. I remember years ago, one of the deacons in our church who ended up being a wolf, and not all people who are part or coming out of this are wolves, but this one happened to be. We're trying to find a place in town. He started confessing and possessing the different places we were trying to, to, to lease. We saw this place and he goes, I confess it and we'll possess it in Jesus' name. And I looked at him and said, you are out of your mind. What are you talking about? Well, he grew up his whole life in a church like this. His whole life. He was confessing and blessing. We didn't get that place. So how does this relate to the prosperity gospel? Well, you see that the fundamental faith here of the word of faith is that God created after his own kind. We're all gods and God should never be poor or sick. That's how the prosperity comes. It naturally follows from such a false belief. And guys, we're gonna talk about next week what the Bible says about our money. Do we give this? Are we cursed if we don't give? This and that and this and that. We're going to talk about that. But I wanted to talk about this first. Because one of the biggest reasons, not the only reason, one of the biggest reasons that Kenyans have received this is because they want a supernatural way out of poverty. They want favor. They want this. And so they adopt these kinds of beliefs. Let me take you to 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says in verse 3, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud knowing nothing but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth. And listen, he goes on, he's beginning to talk about money. He's gonna, he's going, it's not just exclusive talking about money in the next statement, but he begins turning the subject to money. Now this is the, how we are not to respond to our money, and the next week we'll talk about how we are biblically to respond to money. Now he's shifting the focus to money, and he says, they, these people who don't adhere to sound doctrine, they're proud, they have strife and envy and revilings and evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Please listen. Who suppose that godliness is gain. From such people withdraw yourselves. Don't be in the company or in the church of people who tell you that the more you follow God, the more you receive godliness, the more faith words you have, the more positive confession, you will attract finances to your family. It is a lie from 
hell. It is a doctrine of demons. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't bless us financially with certain financial practices. We'll talk about that next week. But they're saying the more you are like God, the more godly you are, the more faith you have, the more you will gain. And in regards to money, don't be around such people. Put it this way. A message like this, I'm going to offend some people in our church today. People are going to walk away. That was unnecessary. Or they may walk away. It's like, I don't disagree with what he's saying, but there are a lot of people in those movements who love Jesus. That is a common belief with churches, people in churches like ours. They're just like, hey, I get it. I get those churches are, are wrong in a lot of those things, but those people love the Lord. They talk about the cross. I am here to tell you that is not the truth. That's not what the Bible says. You can't come up with your own thoughts because you want to be gracious to your fellow family members or friends or fellow Kenyans. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says anybody who perverts the gospel will be cursed. Anybody who accepts a different gospel, and by the way, I didn't even talk to you about what these different churches believe about Jesus. They don't even believe he was God when he was born. Paula White said, in the same way that Jesus is the only begotten son of God, you and I are the only begotten sons and daughters of God. That's scary. The people in these movements and these churches around this town, in Bethel and Hillsong and all these different Kenneth Copeland ministries, which Kenneth Copeland is famous in Kenya. William Branham, famous in Kenya. It is the majority of people in this movement who are lost and following a perverted gospel and who are under a curse from God. It is the minority of people in these movements who are truly born again and those who are truly born again, the Holy Spirit begins to scream out inside of them saying, eventually, this is wrong, leave. And guess what? Many of you are, did leave and you're here in this church because you were truly born again and you left, but you're the minority. You're the minority. Don't think these are brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the unregenerate, cult-practicing, metaphysical, occult-practicing heathens. And they need the real gospel of Jesus Christ. They need us to be ready to give an answer for what we believe in love and respect. More Cirillo, I have a quote from him here. More Cirillo said on stage in America, when you look at me, you're looking at Jesus. When you look at me, you're looking at God, end quote from Morris Cirillo, famous word of faith preacher. Do you know he came to Eldoret? 
Preston also was in that meeting. No, he wasn't. I'm kidding. He came to Eldoret. The Kenyan president met him at the airport. He didn't meet me at the airport. Has he ever met you at the airport? Why would he meet Morris Cirillo at the airport? And Morris Cirillo came right here, right here, to Eldoret, to one of the churches. Why would I bring up this issue? And guys, I've shared at least 30 verses today. Why? Because this is Protestantism in Kenya. And we need a revival of the true gospel amongst Kenyans so that Kenyans can come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. I love Kenya. I love everything about Kenya. I love Eldoret's weather. I love the Rift Valley. I like Nairobi. I like, do you know who I love the most about Kenya? The Kenyans. I like the smiles. I like the culture of dancing. I like music. I like the sounds. But I, I tell you, I love Kenya so much that I want a revival of the real gospel, not a perverted gospel that continues to plague our families. We must understand your family members in these churches are not following Jesus. I hear this a lot, guys. It's, I hear this. Ah, I know they're off, but they love Jesus. I wonder what Jesus would say about that. Wait, I do know what he says about that. He says anybody who's preaching or following a perverted gospel is cursed. He has spoken on it, and he's spoken a lot more scriptures than this. So, it's very important to me that you understand that we need to be equipped. We need to become fishers of men and go out and start casting out the lures of God's word into the sea we call Kenya so that we can capture them with the power of the real gospel. And they're in our families, they're our friends, they're our colleagues. Lord, would you receive our offering? An offering that is born out of love and worship, not out of some sort of desire to get rich. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You can drop your offering in the box or give it to one of the ushers and God bless you and have a good week. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718 zero one two four nine six that is zero seven one eight zero one two four nine six see you next time